You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily podcast on the Dallas Cowboys, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today is Landon McCool. You can follow him on Twitter at McCoolBCB, and you can also check him out on the Best Coast Boys podcast. Landon, it was a great weekend of Cowboys football. All the teams lost that we needed to lose. Did you enjoy uh, this Sunday of football? It was nice. You know, every, the, the one good thing, especially when the, when the Cowboys win on a Thursday, and I think I talked about this last week too, is, is watching football the following Sunday kind of like, you know, uh, without without the heavy weight of of wondering what the hell is going to happen to the Cowboys, you sure. know, so so like kind of just being able to watch uh, football uh, without your bias kind of getting in the way. I mean, I mean though you, you watch it as a Cowboys fan, especially when you're watching the teams that you need to lose lose. But um, it is nice to kind of just sit back and watch football and not just uh, be in a kind of a constant fluctuating state of fear and excitement about the Cowboys game going up. Right. So this podcast is going to go up, oh, probably late Monday afternoon. Um, so but ahead of the Monday night game. So before we talk about anything else, uh, we we would like to see the Eagles win tonight against the Redskins, correct? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I think there's some people that, that, you know, have their own thought process there about it. But I think generally, yeah, I mean, I would say the consensus is that we would prefer – I would prefer to, to – have a you know control over that you know like have Washington lose and then us beat Philly and then uh, but yes I, I think that the general consensus is that it's probably better for the Cowboys if the Eagles win tonight. I I use this New York Times playoff simulator. It's fantastic, but you can basically pick each game and it shows you the odds of your team making the playoffs. If the Eagles win tonight over the Redskins and the Cowboys beat the Eagles next week, the Cowboys are sitting at like a 99.7% chance to make the playoffs. So I think that's why uh, I'm so invested in tonight's game because I want next week to basically be if the Cowboys win, they're in. Um, so we've got a lot to talk about today. Uh, I want us to go ahead and start with this. We are now three-fourths of the way through the season. We're 12 games in. Uh, the Cowboys have four pretty big games coming up. They probably need to win two out of the next four to make the playoffs. Um, but I kind of want to look back on what we have learned through the first 12 games of the season. And before the show, I wrote down some of my biggest takeaways. Um, and I just, I'm going to throw them out there. I'm going to give some context to them. And I just kind of, I want your comment on some of these and maybe what you think about it. Are, are you ready, Landon? Real quick, before we get into this, let me ask you a question. Sure. Can you think of a season, just at, from a 10,000 point of view, 10,000 foot point of view in this, can you think of a season that you've been three quarters with that you've learned more about your team? You know, like I mean, you know, like I mean, I think the Dak season where he came in his rookie year was just an anomaly. No one saw that coming. But right, right. Can you? I mean, and, and any other season? Can you think of an, another one where how you feel about the ta- the t- this team changed so dramatic dramatically from week one to week twelve? No, this this season feels like it's about three seasons all tied into one, right? Yeah, the, yeah. It was the, the first month of the season was kind of the feeling out process, and then it was the you know the next four games where uh, you know the the offense was really struggling, the defense was keeping in the games, and then there was the the Amari Cooper trade, and kind of the way I view the season now is 
before Amari Cooper and after. After, Amari yeah, it's and, and it's before. but it's, I mean it's, it's crazy because it's not just Amari obviously that changed you know during that whole situation, but but it, it does feel like that is the line of demarcation, right? Right. So BC before Cooper, we'll, we'll work on it. <laughs> we'll work. Anyway, on it. <laughs> all right. So let's go ahead and look at some of the the takeaways. Uh, my first takeaway, and it's about Dak Prescott. Um, and I'm just going to read it the way I have it written, and then we'll talk about it. But Dak Prescott can be as good as the pieces you put him around. Now, when you first say that, it almost sounds like he's just a product of you know the players around him. You put good players around him, and he'll be fine. But you look around the, the league, and most of your top quarterbacks are that way, right? You look, let's take Aaron Rodgers, for example. Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. Uh, they have a decent supporting cast around him. His defense isn't very good. But because they don't have the maybe elite talent that they've had before, you're seeing his team struggle. On the flip side, Tom Brady has a great supporting cast around him, a great head coach, and you're seeing him play very well. So this isn't to be. This isn't meant to be a bad thing. I just think if the Cowboys can continue to stack talent on the offensive side of the ball, Prescott is not going to be the reason that you don't get to where you want to get to, right? He is good enough to take you to uh, the promised land as long as you have enough talent around him. Do you agree with that statement? I, yeah, I think the thing that's that would come off as, you know, uh, I guess controversial is that is if you consider, if you think the idea that, that putting talent around a quarterback would automatically make all quarterbacks better because that's not necessarily the case. I, like, I agree. There are a lot of guys out there that the more weapons you put out there, that doesn't mean that that quarterback can still avail himself of those weapons. You know, I, I think the thing that that I do agree with this statement. I think that you know we kind of got that experiment going into uh, early into the year uh, to see you know hey can can he do it uh, in a situation where maybe he doesn't have an elite talent uh, as a receiver um, and, and, and be able to kind of spread the ball around and, 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 and operate that way. And, and, you know, I think, again, I view things as, as on, you know, on a broad spectrum or how they fall on the spectrum, right? It's like, I, I don't view it as sure. it, Dak failed or, or the wide receivers weren't good enough. I think it was uh, probably somewhere in the combination of both, right? And so it's, it right. doesn't really help the situation. It didn't really help the situation to kind of add different receivers or whatever because, you know, Dak, Dak was still unfamiliar and, and some of them still were struggling to get open when they we needed them and that sort of thing. So uh, I, I think that what we found is that when you give Dak weaponry, he can definitely avail himself of that sort of stuff. He can definitely, you know, um, he can take advantage of that. He can spread the ball around. And, and then, you know, also it allows him to open up his game, what he does, uh, and when there's other people taking up uh, uh, the attention of, of the defense. Like he, he can, uh, you know, incorporate his legs and that sort of thing. So that also really helps. And I think you're starting to see some growth in Prescott, even when some of the pieces around him aren't very good. I mean, yeah. let's let's be honest. That left side of the offensive line for the past two games has been pretty awful. And while the stats aren't fantastic, I mean, he's led the Cowboys to victories in those two games. He kind of understands what he needs to do to at least get this offense going. So if next season Tyron Smith and Travis Frederick come back 100% healthy, could Dak be a quarterback that flirts with a passer rating of 105, 106, kind of like he did as a rookie? Absolutely. Um, but I don't think I don't think he's going to be one of these guys where you know if your tackle is out for a while or your receiver, he's all of a sudden going to fall off the face of the earth. 
uh, kind of like maybe what happened last year when Tyron and Zeke went down. Uh, I think he's kind of found a way to balance that a little bit. But uh, my next big takeaway is one that's become pretty obvious over the last couple weeks. Uh, this team isn't reliant on the health of Sean Lee any longer. Mm. For years and years and years, this defense went as far as Sean Lee would take them. Whenever he went out of the game, you would see a massive drop-off. Now that the Cowboys have Leighton Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith, you don't need Sean Lee to play every single snap. You don't even need him for every single game. You, they are able to win games with their defense without Sean Lee. Uh, and that's... For, for a team that has really struggled to do that, to even stay competitive in games without Sean Lee, that's a big, big step forward. Yeah, and I mean, the obvious the obvious thing to point to is Leighton Vander Esch here, and that's, and that's very much the large lion's share portion of that, and Jalen Smith would be a, another huge portion of that. But I think it's it goes deeper than that. I think that this defense, in the areas where there may not have been as much talent... Uh, the, the talent has grown, you know, from the ground at, at all three levels of this defense. You know, like they've grown these young guys uh, on all three levels, and uh, and you know the they're all kind of growing up at the same time together. And you know, earlier a year ago, two years ago, the guys who are now the salty veterans of this team. You know the 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 Demarcus Lawrence is the Byron Jones is the you know um, the guys who are now the the top players on this defense uh, were still pups while Sean Lee was the one who was kind of you know the engine that drove this defense and uh, he miraculously was able to lift the the talent levels of everyone you know I mean on this defense when he was on the field uh, and to the point now where, where he carried us all now where these all guys all these guys got that opportunity to play on the field and get the opportunity to grow and guys like Byron you know kind of got into his spot DeMarcus you know found uh, found some health and, and got some consistency going and developed into one of the best defenders in the country in the in the league um, Jalen you know finally got healthy so I, I think Sean Lee you know, for or a couple different years, was able to hold you know hold off the the the, the wolves of the door by himself, uh, and uh, until this defense was able to kind of lift itself up and really develop. And now, I mean, you know, it, the question is, do, can you get Sean Lee on the field? Because you've got so much talent on defense, and um, right, that's quite a turnaround. And not all of it is because of Sean Lee's, you know, age and injury situation, and, and you know his play has, has dropped off a little bit. Not all of it's about that. It's 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 a lot more about the fact that you have more talent all across the board. Uh, you know, at linebacker, of course, but at every single level, and 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 it's it's taken that necessity of needing Sean Lee to be. The, the the guy who cleans up all the messes, the Tony Romo of the defense, that, you know. <laughs> right, right. Well, that's a that's a great point by you because it, I, I guess I didn't even think about it that they really have upgraded every other spot in the defense as well. So when a linebacker does go out, it's not it's not that big of a hit. I mean, you mentioned Lawrence and Byron Jones, and now Tyrone Crawford is playing well, and Randy Gregory is starting to play well. They're able to overcome that. Plus, they have more talent linebackers. So. Uh, excellent point by you, Landon. All right, let's take a quick break, and we will be right back, and we're going to talk a little bit about Rod Marinelli. This episode of the Locked On Cowboys podcast is sponsored by Action Heat. Action Heat makes the world's best battery-heated clothing. Heat on demand at the touch of a button. Control your environment with Action Heat. 
Action Heat clothing is engineered to safely and efficiently deliver heat via heating panels similar to those of a heated car seat. They can reach temperatures of up to 135 degrees and are powered by rechargeable 5-volt lithium-ion batteries that last up to 12 hours on a single charge. It's a perfect gift for any friend or family. It's great for anybody who works outdoors, skis, snowboards, hunts, anything like that. Anybody that hates the cold, you need to get them an Action Heat garment this Christmas season. Uh, for our listeners, we have a special deal to save 20% off your entire order. Just go to actionheat.com slash locked on to check out everything Action Heat has to offer. That's actionheat.com slash locked on or use the coupon code locked on at the checkout to save 20%. Stay toasty warm while you enjoy all your outdoor activities this winter with Action Heat and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Okay, heading into this season, there were some questions about the Cowboys' defensive tackles, uh, and I was concerned about it. I, I know uh, we kind of talked about it during the draft season, whether the Cowboys should maybe draft some defensive tackles to give them some more depth there. Um, but once again, I'm just reminded by Rod Marinelli's greatness. Uh, I, I just want to read some of these snaps and some of these names of players that are playing for the Cowboys. Uh, Karan Reed, a guy that wasn't on the team until late October, <laughs> played 117 snaps. Uh, Antoine Woods, a guy that nobody really knew heading into training camp, has played 416 snaps and has played really well. Uh, Daniel Ross, a, a, a cast-off from the Texans, who the Cowboys signed late last season, 164 snaps. I mean, they've been able to piece together this defensive tackle you know, spot all season long. Uh, we, always, we always want the Cowboys to go out and spend money or draft picks on you know, defensive tackles, whether it's a Vita Vea or a Starla Talele in free agency. I remember a guy that I liked a lot. Mm-hmm. And every year, Rob Marinelli reminds us that he can get the job done with these no-name players. So my biggest takeaway, just trust Rob Marinelli uh, in his ability to kind of coach up these no-name defensive tackles. You know, it's funny because the, the the best name to prove the point even to the most would be uh... – would be Sharif Floyd, you know, because that was the guy who oh, the, yes, the, yes. the Cowboys, or the cow, all the Cowboys fans wanted us wanted us to draft, uh, and that they passed on to to you know end up you know trading back and getting uh, uh, Travis Frederick, um, and you know Sharif uh, had a had a, a a pretty I guess solid start of a career, but then you know it's kind of succumbed to injury. I mean, I think there were issues beyond just injury that he had playing time as well. Um, but again, you know, I think to your larger point, uh, he finds guys, you know, and and I think at three tech, you know, the the there's spots for some defensive ends to kick in and do that spot. I mean, clearly he's he likes cross training, uh, you know, those three positions and, and sometimes even that fourth position, the nose tackle spot. Uh, the, but he likes cross training the left and right defensive ends with the three techniques so that he can get you know all the kinds of mismatches and ones and one on ones that he and he likes uh, and getting them you know through there. But uh, beyond that, you're he just picks. He has this ability to just get guys off the street. I mean, um. Hayden was obviously another example of a guy that I mean there is absolutely right. zero th- things flashy about Hayden and there's you know uh, and 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 his game was not flashy I mean he didn't you know show up he's I wouldn't I don't look back at Hayden the way I currently look at 
uh, Woods, right? Because I think Woods is probably a better, even a better nose tackle than Hayden ever was, right? Like, cause, I, mean, sure. I think he's just more dynamic, even as a run defender. Um, but I, I, he, regardless, my point is, is that Marinelli finds these guys and is able to, in his mind, do the calculus of what their what their play was gonna would be like minus ten pounds, or what their play would look like my, plus twenty pounds, or you know what I'm saying? Like uh, he and, and and Woods is a great example because I'm pretty sure if I remember the story goes that Woods, you know, prior to being signed by the Cowboys, was p- closer to a three four nose tackle size i mean oh, he was, he was massive yeah. he was massive and like in the 330 range if i'm not mistaken closer to an akeem hicks type player but maybe obviously not the same you know athlete sure. um but I, you know there's something that they these guys saw in this game that they thought translated well and they convinced him to lose you know 20 ish pounds and he looks like a different player you know I mean, he looks like a na- such a great natural fit at that position because he's just a naturally thick bodied dude who is pretty athletic for a guy that that solid so uh yeah i think the 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 main thing is is that you know we saw even with david irving now we 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 saw that's a defensive end right and then he's telling us no 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 we're playing him at defensive tackle i'm like well you gave us a lot of good snaps at defensive end he gets in a defensive tackle and i mean when the guy's on the field he can't be blocked you know so yeah uh, yeah, i I trust implicitly marinelli's ability to diagnose and put the right guys uh in the interior of this defensive line since Rod Marinelli, Marinelli got here, and I think it was in 2013 was his first year, has defensive tackle ever been the reason they've lost games? Or has it ever been a big, the biggest weakness on the roster? I mean, I think there has been points when we have perceived it as the biggest weakness on the roster, uh, like in the off seasons or whatever, but I, we fall for this trap every year. And I actually, I think I don't think I fell for it as much this year because I sure. finally kind of was like, yeah, no, I'm just going to b- believe that this was going to work out because it has previous. I didn't think it was going to work out like this, but I mean, they are legitimately deep at defensive tackle now, especially if Irving comes back. I mean, they have quite good depth at defensive tackle, but um, I, I think that, yeah, it's, it's, I think there's been times it's been perceived as an issue, but uh, I think. Almost every time, uh, you know, there's times when the, the run game in the interior was not the best, but I think most of the time we get proven wrong by Marinelli and that we have what we need. Just for fun, I'm going to read some of the names that have played at least 50 snaps at defensive tackle for the Cowboys since 2013. This is going to bring back some, some, some memories. Are you ready for this, Landon? Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Jason Hatcher, Nick Hayden, Landon Cohen, Corey Irving, Jarius Wright, Jarius Wynn, Marvin Austin, Drake Nevis, David Carter, Frank Curse, Jerome Long, Everett Dawkins, Terrell McClain, Nick Nick Hayden, uh, Henry Melton, Josh Brents, Tyrone Crawford, LeVar Edwards, Ken Bishop, Devon Coleman. I got to switch my page. uh, Cedric (laughs) Thornton, Malik Collins, David Irving, Richard Ash, Zach Moore, uh, Jack Crawford, Casey Walker, uh, and Ryan Russell. That, that's just from wow. 2013 to 2016. Wow, that's uh, that's <laughs> quite impressive, to say the least. I mean, what a list. those are a bunch of bad players that Rob Marinelli got production out of. I mean, it's just crazy. It's it's awesome how how great of a coach Rob Marinelli is. So it really is. I just wanted to kind of a little bit of a flashback from the past. But um, our next one I want to talk about, and this one. I can already hear people pointing and laughing as I'm about to say this one, but 
Uh, Jalen Smith's health is no longer a question mark. Um, I know there were some people out there on Twitter that were very hesitant to ever believe that Jalen Smith would be back to 100%. Uh, I may or may not have been one of those people. Um, <laughs> but I think at, we're now at the point of his career where it's not about his health. I, I, I mean, is that even something that's brought up ever during a game anymore? If he struggles, no. it's not because of his health. It's because he's... Uh, missing a, you know his keys or whatever, uh, <laughs> but J- Jalen Smith, Jalen Smith has become a really productive player, and we no we no longer have to worry about whether he will ever be able to overcome that injury. So, uh, just I remember a year ago, uh, even a year ago when Smith was playing, I had questions whether he would ever be a starting level level linebacker in the NFL. I think those questions are all gone at this point. Yeah, I mean, I think. Oh, if I, I think we all thought that if he was able to get the level of athleticism, you know, even close to what he had in college, that uh, we were going to get a special player. Now, I think that's, you know, when you're talking about percentages on, you know, a player like that, even 15 percent is too low to play for a player that elite in college to play in the NFL at the rate that he you know was playing in college i think right so you know that's the thing that we've always been trying to do the calculus on is well how much did he how much has he lost an explosion or no 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 will how much will he ever get back and you know some people obviously took the uh the you know the the vast majority take on it which was that he probably would never be the guy that he was again and then some people trusted these code this this medical staff and thought that that you know that, that this are was you patting come yourself back. on the back right uh, now oh totally yes <laughs> i'm sorry I, I, when i said some people i meant i believed that he was going to get back and marcus did not believe that. okay that's uh, we so might I, 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 I should have been, been much more clear about that <laughs> i was correct and marcus was a uh, wrong and uh yeah uh, yeah so i i think but even even not even people like me that that, that have been like you know, championing him and, and believing in him. I don't, I don't know that we saw the development into the type of player uh, that, that he is, the, the, at least the type of player that he is yeah, now. Yeah, he's different. You know? He's a yeah, much he's different, different player than different he was player. in college. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, 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 and that's the thing that's so bizarre about this whole Leighton Vander S. Jalen Smith thing is that they are playing exactly opposite of how we thought they were coming into the league yes. to play. I mean, I thought that Leighton Vander S. would maybe come in here as kind of a thumper and, uh, you know, the, the physical aspect of this. I mean, not that Jalen didn't have that in his game, but, I mean, but – He's just, a, you know, he looks like a bigger guy, but Jalen is just a monster, you know. Um, so I don't know. I, I think that, uh, uh, I guess that uh, I, I, he has his explosion and, and, and his, uh, you know, weight room work while dealing with the, the injury, it, it created a monster. <laughs> and now See, here's he's the thing being unleashed Jaylen, against I, the NFC. I, I feel like. We still haven't seen his ceiling yet. I still feel like there's a he has a ways before he can be. I I, I think he can be a much better player than what he is right now. Is what I'm trying to say. I, sure. I think he can. I, he struggles some in you know run diagnosing and stuff. But man, he is a fantastic linebacker and covering. Uh, he he's a playmaker. He can blitz. Um, I I think you're just starting to see the tip of the iceberg here. Now, if 
if uh, Leighton Vander Esch can continue to develop, you know, quickly, kind of at the pace we've been seeing over the last couple of weeks, that's only going to help Jalen Smith. Um, but I think you're starting to see, especially now, I think in the last, oh, since the Houston game, I think Jalen Smith has become a much different player since that game. Uh, and you're starting to see what he can bring to the Cowboys defense. All right, I've got one more takeaway. And we, we, take, we talk about this uh, a lot, and we talk about this player a lot. Uh, but Tyrone Crawford, uh, we, hmm. I think it was the last show we talked about how his, you know, his salary doesn't necessarily match his production. Uh, people are kind of, they, they, they get frustrated with him because they see his price tag and him being a $9 million a year player and they expect to get Fletcher Cox or Aaron Donald for that amount of money, whatever. Tyrone Crawford has become a really important part of this defense and if you would have told me before the you know the beginning of the season, uh, if I you know I would have said that he's a guy that's probably going to be on the way out after 2019 because of his cap. You know I'm looking at this team now and I don't want to see what this roster looks like without Tyrone Crawford because he can do so many things for you. Uh, I love it when him and Demarcus Lawrence are playing on the same side because they work so well together uh, on stunts. You can move Crawford inside if you have a mismatch there. If you have injuries at defensive end, he can play either spot. So uh, Tyrone Crawford has become one of the most important players on this Cowboys defense to me. And it seems like every year about this time we kind of get reminded of his value to this Cowboys roster. So. Uh, to close this out, Landon, any thoughts on Tyrone Crawford? Yeah, I mean, he's absolutely the glue guy in this defensive line. I mean, his ability to play basically all four spots and uh, play three of them pretty well and provide pressure and, 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 and run defense from uh, left, right, and under tackle uh, with very at a very high level is invaluable. And I think that, uh, it is, like you said it, the money there is what the issue is and that he's got this huge contract early and it wasn't it was way more than probably his play dictates but that doesn't mean that his play has been bad that just means that his play has not been superstar level and that may have been a misevaluation by the Cowboys team that has you know at the same time benefited often more way more often than not of signing a guy early and and hope and you know and thinking that you know that he's might have a chance to to be a superstar and getting him on a cheap deal. So um, I think that the, the 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 benefit here, the 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 unexpected benefit, I guess, is that you didn't get a bad player. You just didn't get a superstar player. And and the fact right. that he is humble enough and a leader enough to take the role on that he's taken on as kind of this catch-all fourth, fifth, you know, defensive lineman. Um, is is just I mean that just shows you the kind of character and kind of leader that he is and and, and his attitude and his toughness and his uh, you know he's a boss like you, you don't want to piss off Tyron Crawford and and like that stuff bleeds you know over to the other guys and I think it's like I said it, there's a high level of value there that it's hard to uh, to just kind of wipe away and, and shoo shoo just because he got paid a lot of money uh, you know several years ago is he the oldest defensive starter on the team right now? Because yeah, I think he I might think so. Yeah, he's got to be right. I mean, because he's twenty seven or twenty eight. Twenty nine. Right? Yeah, tw- yeah. I was going to say twenty nine. Yeah. I mean, Mark. Mar- so I think it's close. That yeah, he's twenty six. Yeah, now. I think it's important that they have a guy that you know, a veteran guy around. I mean, because you have that's probably the youngest defense in the NFL. So you yeah. need 
you need some guys in there that have some skin on skins on the wall. And I think Crawford's kind of maturity in leadership has kind of had a stabilizing force, kind of on, on, not only on the defensive line but throughout the entire defense. So, yeah. just want to say kudos to to Tyrone Crawford in the next four weeks and hopefully into the playoffs. His play is going to be very important for the Cowboys mm-hmm. if they want to have success. So that is it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Landon at McCoolBCB. Make sure you check him out on the Best Coast Boys podcast with our friend John Owning. You can follow the show at Lockdown Cowboys, and I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier, and we will see you guys next time. 